Hey, pole dancer. Welcome to the Evidence-Based Pole Podcast. My name is Rosie Boa. I'm a pole dancer, pole teacher, and personal trainer. And I've started this podcast so that we can learn together, talk with the experts, read the research, and feel better on and off the pole. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, let's go. In this episode, I'm really excited. We're talking with Tatanya Long, who is a uh, dietitian who specializes in working with aerialists. I'm really excited for this episode, but I do want to give you some heads up about some content I'm going to talk about. Um, so we are going to talk about food, we're going to talk about nutrition, and we also are going to touch on eating disorders and disordered eating. So if those are topics that are not good for you right now, we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, but without any further ado, let's get into it. I'm very excited for this conversation uh, now that hopefully all the technical issues are out of the way, knock on wood. Uh, I'm joined today by Tatiana Long, uh, who you may or may not know as Fueling Circus um, on, on Instagram. Are you on any other platforms as well if people want to go find you after this or right now? Look her up. Right now, I am just on Instagram, um, kind of building my website a bit and then uh, a little bit of Pinterest, but not much, mostly just for the blog to kind of um, show people where to go. All right. So, uh, Instagram at fueling circus. Uh, and I think what would be a helpful place for us to start our discussion is a little bit about you and also what does a dietitian, a nutritionist do? Uh, what's the difference and why would I need one? Because I, I can eat already. <laughs> what do I need help with? Yes. So of course, loaded questions. So, so many things <laughs> to entail, but I'll start by just kind of myself and, um, where I've been. Uh, so I have been an aerialist, um, for about 13 years or so, um, started, uh, like fresh out of high school. When I went into college, my college actually had a small little aerial program and I kind of just fell into it. Um, it was much the um, YouTube university type of a deal. Not a lot of teachers, not a lot of people knowing what's going on and not a lot of discussion on the internet yet. So mm. it was very much just piecing things together and doing your best. <laughs> so, um, the world has grown a lot since then, which has been really nice. Um, back then I wanted to be a vet. Um, so I was far from athletics and nutrition and didn't know how to feel my body at that time. And just kind of was like everyone else, um, in college and just eating whatever I could <laughs> mostly what was free. <laughs> but, um, as I switched out of being wanting to be a veterinarian, I decided to get into dietetics. Um, and that process really looked at, I liked being in the athletic world. And I was like, what works with other athletes? I was like, do I want to become a physical therapist? Do I want to do nutrition? Where can I go with that? And that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of looking into all these occupations and finding what I liked. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I eventually landed on nutrition and fell in love. I liked all parts of nutrition from clinical to food service, the community aspect. There's so many areas to work with and lots of different people to impact. And I really like that aspect of it. So that's where um, I fell into nutrition. It was a long road. I already had done four years because I wanted to be a vet. So I pretty much had to start over oh. via dietitian. So I went to three more years of undergrad and got another undergrad degree. Um, and then I got matched to a master's internship program. Um, so from um, I'm in Florida now. That's where I did my undergrad. I got matched to a program in Texas. 
So I was in Texas for a few years doing my master's, doing a 1,200-hour internship where I got to see all the different areas of dietetics and learn a little bit more um, focus. And then because during that time, I knew I wanted to work with sports, with athletics, with the recreational population in general, I did more internships after my internship (laughs) and did um, some focuses with athletics. So I did um, a little three-month stint at Exos training facility and got to work with a lot of different pro athletes and athletes straight out of college wanting to go pro. Um, So that was a very interesting learning experience and with a veteran RD. So I got to pick her brain a lot and learn a lot more things that I didn't know from my program. And from there, I went into collegiate athletics and um, did a year internship with um, a university. Um, This one was at North Texas. So that was really good as well. Um, You don't get a lot of sports information, knowledge, and anything really with your just normal internship. So doing these extra things really helped solidify what I wanted to do and learning a little bit more about performance and how nutrition and health and performance go together. So lots of, lots of hours of learning and learning, which I'm still doing to this day. Um, but from out of my internship, I got a position at university of central Florida. So I'm still in collegiate right now. I'm really enjoying that space. Um, but I also want to branch out and focus on a group that has been so close and dear to my heart, which is circus, aerial pole. I love that space. Um, it has stuck with me over this course of changing careers and learning. And I just, um, I know there's a lot of knowledge to be learned in that area. Um, obviously from starting where I did, where we didn't even know anything about just doing aerial in general to now branching out, having different disciplines that focus in the circus world and wanting to bring knowledge. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Um, I feel very uh, fortunate to have you. Um, Yeah, and I think a a good takeaway from that, you know, extremely long list of accomplishments and education is that, you know, uh, an RD is a, you know, very education focused title. Uh, I would say that a lot of your work is evidence based eh? title podcast. (laughs) That's the link. Yeah. So you, um, like you mentioned, you worked with collegiate athletes. Um, you really focus on sort of the recreational space and then you had that aerial background. So what is different in terms of nutritional needs between pole dancers, aerialists, and just like a regular person out in the world? What, what should we be doing differently, sure. if anything? Yeah. So I think a big important thing is knowing that our needs increase with the level of activity we're doing. Um, of course, everyone is individualized and in their needs in general, but then you're adding in that aspect of um, exercise and training. Mm-hmm. And for, even as aerialists, of course, we all are different in how we train. So mm-hmm. some of us get to train two times a week. Some of us train five times a week. Um, and even in that, sometimes we train multiple times a day and that changes how much we should be eating. So a lot of times, in aerial and pole, we're thinking about getting stronger because we want to be able to do all these cool moves. And so they're like, okay, what do I need to get stronger? Protein. Let's eat as much protein as we can so we can get stronger. But there really is a limit on how much protein your body can absorb and how much you can take in. And that is, yes, individualized, but we can get a broad 
idea of what that looks like for us um, and be able to take that knowledge and that confidence and be able to use it for ourselves. So me as a practitioner that wants to reach a lot of people, but can't necessarily be there and teach each person how to eat. I'm trying to create a space where I can provide at least the confidence for each person to be able to feel themselves. So maybe you have some more individualized needs um, and then you might have to reach out to someone a little bit more um, for one-on-one. But a lot of time, just starting from the basis, just like you do with Ariel, starting from just your beginner classes and then building on that and seeing where that takes you and if you need that more detailed um, help. So I think um, the biggest thing is fueling enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like when we can get to people fueling enough, then we can build off what does that look like to focus on different parts of that fueling too. Because definitely, um, especially with social media these days telling you, oh, you only need this many calories or you only need this much um, or carbs are bad, fruit is bad, you know. (laughs) Um, It's important to kind of weave through all of that red red flags going on and figure out what what's real, you know, what do we need to do? It's not complicated necessarily. It's just we can't listen to everything that's on the internet. We gotta focus on the basics and then build build on that. Yeah, I think that is a great life lesson for us all to take with us, not to just listen to everything on the internet. Um, (laughs) This is on the internet too, but I mean, hopefully you can cross-reference anything that we talk about. Uh, You can, obviously we have a a fabulous expert here with us today. Um, I I hope for this to be a trusted source. Um, Yeah, so talking about fueling enough uh, and that being a really big, um, big hurdle, I think especially maybe in the pole space a little bit more than the aerial space, there is um, certainly a a greater focus sometimes on being skinny than being strong or being, you know, sufficiently fueled. So how do you know that you are fueling enough? What are some signs that you would look for that like, maybe think about adding a little bit more, topping up a bit? For sure. Um, I do think when you say the pole community, I think the fact that it's easier to wear less and perform better in Mm -hmm. that space, that sometimes that leads us to criticize our bodies more. We're always looking at mirrors to help us get our, um, get our, like, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get our feedback on just like our aesthetics for, you know, um, what we're learning, but that also leads our brain to thinking about our body, which it's really hard to separate those two things, especially in the world that we live in right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So even as we try and build off of body positivity, um, you got to really focus on what am I trying to do? If you're thinking about your training, that'll help. So Mm -hmm. you have all these goals in pull. um, What's going to get me there? Not, the way your body looks, it's going to be the way your body fuels, the way you put into your training. Those are the things that are going to get you there. So when it comes to fueling your body enough, things you got to look at is how do I feel um, at the start of my practice? If you're hungry before you even start, then that's a big, that's an issue. Because <laughs> if you're hungry, your body's already not fueled. There's not enough to, to go on. If you're getting hungry in the middle of your practice, then you need to make sure you're fueling during practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you didn't feel enough before, or maybe that just means you have longer practices and you need things during practice. Um, our bodies really can only go so long 
with our fuel sources before we have to add something in. So if you have two hour practices, you have to eat during that time, especially if they're full on pole practice and not like a stretch class or a, a small like a walkthrough that you're not actually getting on the pole and doing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to think about the level of activity you're doing and then fueling based on that. And then remembering that carbs are our biggest source of fuel, uh, no matter what kind of exercise you're doing, that's what's gonna be fueling those higher intensity exercises. So you need that, that you need to up your carbs based on how much, um, how long you're doing practices, how many practices you're doing, and then how intense the practices is, are. Um, I know you did mention like symptoms, other things to look at besides like the feeling of hunger is mm -hmm. your period for women um, or others who menstruate. Like that is the hugest area to look at. If you're losing that, then you already know that you haven't been fueling properly for at least a, a bit of time, depending mm -hmm. on how long it's been. So you should have some consistency there. That's a big area we look at for um, anyone in that space, but also how your hormones are playing. How are mm -hmm. you feeling emotionally? Do you feel like, you know, you get hangry, right? So if you're feeling hangry all the time, that is a sign, <laughs> you know, that you might not be fueling enough. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's lots of little things um, individually, but those are definitely two big ones, um, having that energy. And then if you're feeling like you're plateauing all the time, mm. you might not be putting your body into uh, giving your body enough to help it move up. You feel like you're putting in all this extra training, but then maybe you're not fueling that training. So your body can't do more. Yeah. It's like trying to run a car on empty, right? It might like coast yes. for a little bit, but it's not going to yeah. Cars don't build muscles. Uh, weird analogy, <laughs> but but it's true. We we use that analogy so much. It's like putting putting gas in your tank. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to do it. Yeah, we can we can coast for a long time, but your your gas tank's going to do a lot better if it's full, mm -hmm. and you know you're going to be able to go further without worrying. <laughs> so yeah. that helps for sure. Especially if you need power, like if you're towing yes. something or you're moving your body around in a very physical yes. way vertically. Um, big, big requirements. Yeah. So sure. just to, to pull together those threads for, for folks who are like, I, I wish I'd been taking notes. You can always listen back to this and take notes. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> um, paying attention to how you feel, particularly any hunger signals before or during training, good time to top up. Um, eating during training, if you're doing a long training, uh, if you're noticing you're plateauing, uh, or if you're increasing your exertion, um, just increase a little bit. Huh. Definitely. Yeah, and you also mentioned uh, a number of times sort of individualized needs. Um, and I, you know, something that comes to mind for me is things like uh, dietary restrictions or, or allergies. But what other sort of individualized <laughs> considerations, considerization, consider, what other things would you think about <laughs> in terms of that? So we have guidelines that we can use and be like, oh, you need this X amount of protein for this body weight. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, that's a good general guide that we can use and we can give out to our clientele um, to fuel themselves and get in a good area. But if I was working with them personally, I'd be able to kind of change that a little bit differently mm -hmm. for them based on their body composition may be a little bit different. The way they um, digest different things is a little bit different. Um, so. Some things work for other people in different ways. And even timing can change a little bit from person mm -hmm. to person. I know 
people who can take drink a protein shake with like carbs and stuff in it right before a class, but other people will get sick and they can't digest that protein in it. And that's fine. Um, so it's kind of knowing your body and then being able to tailor that to it. So our guidelines are kind of the basics. Like we're going to recommend just carbs right before our practice because everyone can absorb that. Mm -hmm. But if you add in protein or fat, it's definitely depends on the person, whether or not they're going to digest and feel good out there in that practice. Yeah. I'm definitely in the cannot do that. I need a good two hours. <laughs> Otherwise yeah. it is a bad time for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I'm remembering some unpleasant experiences I've had in that, but I still think I'd rather, you know, not feel amazing than feel yeah. super weak. And, you know, yes. worst case scenario for me as a pole instructor is like, you climb to the top of the pole, you suddenly get lightheaded, you lose that strength yes. all of a sudden. Oh, uh, and I, you know, I've been in classes where that's happened and it is terrifying for me and for yeah. you. And I just want you to avoid that. All of you. Yeah. I honestly had this happen to me, um, recently, mm. uh, where I didn't eat properly cause I had so much going on. I just completely forgot. Um, and I rushed off to class and I was starving before I even got to class. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have one snack and it's got to make me two hours. So I definitely felt like, I was like, this is exactly what I've been talking about. Like, this is how you feel. And to me, um, even outside of just for myself, I do some partner classes mm -hmm. and I'm like, that other person's also relying on me. So Absolutely. I've got to make sure I'm fueled so that I'm keeping them safe, keeping myself safe. And we're able to work to our best ability. And they're not like, feeling either uncomfortable or like it's their reason that, you know, they don't have strength. It's like, no, no, it's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's important to fuel in all aspects, not just always for yourself because you do have other people working with you a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I think we both love Ariel, love pole, but it's dangerous. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you gotta be mindful. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about, um, sort of paying attention to fueling your body when you might need a little bit more. Um, I'd also like to just quickly touch on when would it be a good idea to work with a professional? So, and I just, I'm gonna add a little bit of a sidebar here. So in my personal training certification, I actually did get a lot of nutrition information and training. Um, but it's something that I've intentionally moved outside of my scope of practice. Um, just because I know I don't have enough knowledge to do it safely, both um, physically and psychologically. And we can touch on that in a little bit <laughs> in the poll community. Yeah. Um, but if someone was like, well, you know, um, maybe I've got a competition coming up, or maybe, you know, I have a specific movement goal and I'm just not hitting it. Um, what are some signs that working with a nutritionist or a dietitian, and I don't know what the difference is there, maybe you can enlighten us, uh, yeah. is a good thing to do and add into your training portfolio, I guess. Yeah. So, um, first I'm just going to talk a little bit about the difference between a dietitian and nutritionist. Um, so technically you could call yourself a nutritionist because you've learned some nutrition in your, I, I know you, you have, you have the knowledge base to realize that that's not enough, but some people do not. And they will go on and call themselves a nutritionist and then spill as much information as they can to their clients. Um, which sometimes that's okay if it's very basic nutrition. So they're saying, eat your protein after for recovery, eat your veggies because it helps give you micronutrients, eat carbs because it provides you energy. That is safe for anyone to tell you mm -hmm. who has any basic nutrition knowledge. Um, 
What is not safe is if you have allergies, mm -hmm. if you have a health disorder, it could be something as like something you've had your whole life, like type one diabetes, um, that you perfectly are suitable to take care of yourself, but they're giving you information that might counteract some of that stuff. Um, so when it comes into the medical nutrition, even if it's combined with performance, that's where the issue really comes up more. Um, so that's where we want to kind of separate the two. Um, when's a good time to see a dietitian? Honestly, there's no bad time to see a dietitian because if you need guidance, that's what they're there for. They help you set goals. They help you stay on track. They're going to help you do what you want in your nutrition, but then guide you with evidence-based information to make it safe and easier for you. So it's more like you go to the doctor to make sure you're still as healthy as you've always been. So you go to the dietitian to make sure you're still on track with your nutrition. Is there something I can change? If, is there something you want to change? Either way, they're going to help you um, with either of those things. So I definitely think um, there's, we need more of us in this space. And since there's not a lot, you know, I couldn't help every single person who wants performance nutrition for poll. But we're providing ways to help those around us um, be able to give information out. So maybe I'm making something tailored to for a gym that they can use for their students. And then those students can make a decision if they need more one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so sometimes it is not necessarily going out of your expertise, but finding the tools from people who have made it that are in that expertise to provide for others. Yeah, I think that's a, a really helpful guideline. Um, and also, speaking of, of resources, you have a, a blog as well. I think it's fuelingcircus.com slash blog. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. If I remember, if I don't remember, y'all listening, bother me, <laughs> and I will do that. Um, and one of your, your blog posts recently was on supplements. And this is something they covered in the personal training uh, certification I went through, and they were like, do not recommend supplements and i know like on instagram i'm constantly getting dms from like supplement company we want you to help your students get i don't know 12 packs or whatever and i'm like i don't know <laughs> so supplements should you be doing them should you be taking them do you need you know 18 thionines whatever their copyrighted nutrition words are this month yes supplements i feel like i could talk about supplements all day long um <laughs> It is just such big business. They make so much money off of us and it is ridiculous. And honestly, no one understands the safety guidelines behind them because there really isn't a lot, <laughs> which is the biggest problem. Um, as dietitians, we do learn, especially sports dietitians, we learn a lot about supplements. We are the go-to in all of our spaces for um, deciphering all of that mumbo jumbo that you hear on the internet or the advertising, because that's all it is. It's just advertising. There's nothing that they need to put on to back up any of that information. But as a sports dietitian, I am very much one of those um, food first, but not food only. So I do believe supplements have a place in our realm, um, but you have to do it safely. You have to pick the ones that are evidence-based and have shown um, more pros than cons. Um, and then determine this is kind of where it gets a little bit more one-on-one -on -one, determine if you even need it. Mm -hmm. So we waste a lot of money on supplements that we don't need. 
One of the big ones tends to be branched chain amino acids. There's so much information out there on there, but almost everyone I work with gets plenty of branched chain amino acids from just the basic protein that they're eating throughout mm -hmm. the day. And it's more important to get protein throughout the day than at that one burst anyways. Mm -hmm. um, your body uses it a lot better. So I do think supplements are important and useful um, for all athletes, but not all supplements are useful for all athletes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, definitely uh, check out the blog post. I plan on doing a lot more on supplements. I'm trying to do a big one on identifying the safety for yourself, mm -hmm. regardless of which one you choose and being feeling more comfortable with knowing um, which supplements are third party tested and um, the things that they're putting on the label are what's in the supplement. So I definitely think that's an area that a lot of people don't understand and think that, oh, well, my friend used it and they've been fine is an acceptable excuse. <laughs> so yeah, definitely there. Definitely. Um, and even things like uh, like vitamins, right? I like to think about vitamin A. Like if you're not getting it, huge issues, you know, up to potentially blindness. But if you have enough and you take it anyway, you can also get issues, right? So finding out where yes. you are and then making sure that you're staying in that sweet spot for yourself and your body and your performance needs is not trivial. And you can't do it just by being like, yes. I feel like I need vitamin A. <laughs> yes. That's my guess. Yes. <laughs> your body will tell you if you're very deficient on things. But it's hard to know when you're at a right spot mm -hmm. and when like, or when you're in that little middle ground where you could use a little bit before you're getting some severe deficiencies, or if you're getting a little too much before you get to the point of severe toxicity. Mm -hmm. So like the extremes will know, but we don't want to get to those extremes. We want to stay in that middle happy ground. Um, so it is important to if you can looking up, getting your levels done, um, that can help you before making any decisions especially with the big ones, like the fat soluble vitamins that you can easily get to toxicity levels. You know, we definitely want to, we be, be safe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, moderation. And I think, uh, talk to, uh, say a dietitian, uh, if that is something that you are, are thinking about, or, you know, your, your primary care provider as well. And they could you know, refer you if that's, uh, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of the, uh, primary carers can do, um, the testing levels in the blood too, as well. So that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So keep an eye out for, for those extra blog posts, which I'm, I'm looking yes. forward to as well. Um, and, uh, I will not recommend you supplements. Uh, that is not my job. <laughs> also stop trying to make me sell them. Random Instagram people. I'm not going to do it. I know. Um, yeah. So, um, at this point I'd like to, uh, bring up a topic that may be a little bit sensitive for some people. And I am going to put uh, trigger warnings at the beginning of the episode as well. But, um, one of the reasons that I chose not to talk, like, I just not my scope of practice at all. Um, in the nutrition field is that in pole dance, um, we've got a lot of stuff from the dance community, dance pedagogy, and some of it's good and some of it's not great. Uh, and one of the parts that's not great is that there's a lot of, um, frankly, just encouragement of eating disorders, right? Um, that has come into poll, I think in part from dance pedagogy and also in part from, to be perfectly frank, if you are a stripper, our society values thinness. Um, and it is, um, you know, you are rewarded for being thinner up to a point. Um, 
in a way where it may make financial sense for you to do something that doesn't necessarily serve your body and your health in the long term. Um, but obviously, not the only problem with the field. I'm absolutely not saying don't be a stripper. This is a, a sex worker positive space. Um, but I am saying that I understand that that is also a place where we are getting this messaging. It's a, a female um, dominated space. Um, women tend to get lots of messaging about, frankly, not eating enough for our basic bodily functions, let alone uh, do, do feats of athleticism that personally I want to do. Um, and if you're listening to this, probably also that's what, what you're looking for. <laughs> So um, that is all to say that I think that there is um, a lot of disordered eating in the pulse space. It's something that I myself in the past have struggled with. Um, and I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm sort of like, okay, right? Um, but yeah, obviously very challenging. So as a, as a professional in this space, what are some things that you would encourage people to look out for as potential warning signs in themselves? Um, and we talked about sort of like fueling enough, but beyond that, right? Like not just like I came to practice hungry one time, um, yeah. some general trends that you would, you would recommend people watch out for. Um, and again, we talked about, you know, it's always good time to talk to, to a dietitian, uh, but maybe, um, when would it be time to seek even additional help? Um, and also, you know, if this is you right now and any of this sounds familiar, um, I hear you, I see you, you can absolutely get better and. Yeah, um, this is definitely a difficult area, and it's because, well, one of many areas, but it's disordered eating and eating disorders. We don't necessarily like to completely separate the two because a lot of people will say, oh, well, I don't fall into any of these eating disorder categories, so I'm fine. Mm -hmm. um, and the way eating disorders are classified is very systematic. It's been researched really well. They have certain criteria that they're looking at. But there's a lot of aspects of those that another person might have um, and not be classified as an eating disorder, but they're still having disordered eating. Um, so definitely important to address both areas and know that um, you may need help regardless if you're feeling like you're at the extreme. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times if you get seek out help early on, it'll help you from getting to that point. Um, sometimes it starts really slow and you don't even see it coming. Um, so when it comes to yourself um, or even someone that you might be around, sometimes it helps to, you know, um, have a friend, have a mentor, have a, a coach that might point out something to you and then listening to that. Um, so it is a lot of mental stuff. Yeah, food is a huge part, but it's going to be your self-talk, um, listening to that, how you are talking about food, um, listening to how your relationship has developed with food. Do you feel like you're avoiding certain things? Is there a certain type of food that you'll either not eat at all or you'll only eat at a certain time? Does it affect maybe your relationships? Are you not going out to eat with friends because you've decided that certain restaurants they go to is unacceptable for you. Um, so it is different. It, there's different aspects to it. Um, it's not just about losing or gaining weight. Uh, there are many people who have eating disorders that their weight stays consistent. Mm -hmm. um, some gain weight um, and then some lose weight. So weight can't be your biggest factor in whether or not I'm having an issue. 
Um, that's just one little aspect. And our bodies are really good at holding on to what we have and kind of staying in the same space, regardless of the stress response going on, regardless of um, the restrictions that could be going on, your body's still going to try and hold on to what it can and not change weight. Um, so it's important to see how you're fueling, making sure you are consistently fueling each day. Are you often skipping meals? Are you feeling um, lightheaded throughout the day? You know, um, so there's lots of aspects. And then it's a matter of, is it happening regularly? Yeah, you might skip a meal one day and not, not feel so good. Um, but then you know, and you do better. But it's about that constantly occurring multiple times, constantly having that negative thought, constantly having that bad relationship with food, um, and then knowing that something's, something's going on. Yeah, the, the pattern of behavior um, and how it's you know negatively affecting you. I mean, my 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 studio motto is that pole should make you feel better. And if you are making yourself feel worse under the idea that it will make your pole better, uh, I would discourage that. <laughs> yes. I would discourage yes. that. Yeah, we got to take care of our bodies if we want long term careers, whether that's recreational or professional within this space, Absolutely, um, our bodies are what are what get us there. You know, it's, we got to treat it right. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I, I thoroughly intend to still be pole dancing when I'm 70 and like getting there, that is a long game. You got to take care of the body. <laughs> you got to yes. be thinking about it. Um, and it's something that, uh, I don't know that my students necessarily pick up on this. Uh, if you've taken class with me, let me, let me know if you pick up on this, but it's something that I build into my programming, right? I'm like, ah, this is joint support. <laughs> For me and you, 10 to 15 years yes. from now, we're going to be happy we did this. So, oh. Yes. All right. Uh, so we have covered a lot today. We've talked about um, your story, uh, a little bit about what, what dietitians do. Um, we've talked about how to know, you know, when, you know, some signs that maybe you want to add a little bit more food to your training, your training, food as a result of what you're noticing in your training. Um, we've talked about supplements. We've talked about um, eating disorders and maybe some signs to look out for that that might be, or disordered eating, that something might be something that you're, um, you or someone around you might be in danger of. Um, and I think that is probably enough. I would love to keep talking with you, but I do want to keep this episode like a manageable length in the editing. Um, so uh, we mentioned we can you can find uh, Tatiana at Fueling Circus, um, and it sounds like you're not taking on a whole lot of individual clients. But if people did want to work with you, how would they do that? So right now, I think the best way, especially if you're on Instagram, um, DMing me and then setting up just like a small call where we can see if there's something that I can help you with or give you a little guidance to find exactly what you need. Um, if you're on my website, I also have a little um, area where you can sign up for a little 15 minute conversation with me. Um, so either of those would be good. I don't have anything, a formal program yet set up yet, yeah. but <laughs> I am in the works to decide on what I feel like would fit the community best. Um, if you have any ideas and want, want something specific, let me know, <laughs> but definitely still in the works, but I am open to taking, um, any of your, um, questions or a little bit of help if you need it, um, reaching out to me and I definitely will do my best to help. Definitely. Fabulous. Uh, and I know you just got started on, on this sort of, uh, this business. So, um, I, 
I predict that you are going to be extremely booked soon. So if anyone's <laughs> listening and you're like, oh, I could really use Titania's expertise, get, get in there, <laughs> get in there quick. Um, yes. Plus, well, it's been fabulous talking with you. Um, I am just delighted you agreed to come on. I think this has been a super valuable conversation, uh, certainly for me and uh, probably everyone else watching, but like uh, very selfishly. <laughs> Part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I want to talk to uh, cool experts and learn stuff. Um, thank you very much for joining me today, Tatiana. Thank you for everyone who is listening, uh, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye! Thanks so much for joining me today, Pole Dancer. This podcast is a production of Slink Through Strength, the inclusive evidence-based online pole studio. So if you're looking for a place to train, either off pole conditioning and flexibility, or learning pole tricks and refining your pole movement, uh, you can find us online at slinkthroughstrength.com.